Hey folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Obviously, I'm looking for you to join the Tortoise Shack and help support this left-leaning progressive podcast platform. Continue to put out the content that there are literally thousands of you listening to. And the way you do that is you click the link at the top of the podcast that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I just want to say thanks to everybody for the feedback to the Dara O'Brien interview. Negative and positive. It's all welcome. It's We are just doing our best to try and actually ask the questions even if we aren't satisfied with the answers we received and also think I thought it was quite touching some of the messages I received in relation to Luke Ming Flanagan's uh, talk discussion he had with us in relation to his own struggles with mental health and we're very grateful that he shared that with us and you our listeners anyway one more time please go to the Patreon link I can't tell you how difficult it is to try and maintain your independence especially when the first thing people are cutting in this cost of living crisis is the discretionary spending so we know it's tough out there and we need your help to keep the mics on and the conversations going I'm going to stop rabbiting on enjoy the podcast Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I am flying solo this morning. The other fella was a little unwell, so uh, we do wish him well. Although if at this stage, I kind of wish he'd just either, you know, leave the stage or just do the honourable thing and put his job up for sale or, or up for hire because we don't need these part-time podcast hosts coming over here and uh, not stealing our jobs at this stage. And I can't, I can't do it all on my own. Anyway, um... There's been a lot of talk recently and we know we've heard uh, on this podcast over the last couple of weeks from economists from across the spectrum and their various views on on the the uh, merits and demerits of what is often called the dismal science. Uh, and a lot of this has come from a speech given by President Michael D. Higgins uh, in relation to, you know, uh, uh, him versus the economists in a way and maybe society versus uh, the economists and the, the crises that are facing us. And we will get to that. But one of the economists that we've spoken to a lot on this podcast over the last number of years uh, is Kieran Nugent uh, from Neary. And Kieran has always been more uh, leaning into uh, the, uh, how do I put this, the socially just uh, arena in terms of um, his his views on eco- economics and indeed societal economics, political economics and, and the rest. So, so I thought it would be a great time to revisit um, the some of the stuff we spoke about previously. Uh, and Kieran, it's good to see you again. How are you keeping? Good now, Tony. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's always a it's always a pleasure to, to 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 pick your brain on a few of the things. But before we kind of get into the the to the the um the disputes that have that have raged, can we talk a little bit about some of the stuff? Because I'm often quoting you on uh, on debates that I'm involved in, other conversations I'm involved in. You know, when we. Uh, we see it all the time, whereby people will, you know, the Finnegal were at it a couple of weeks ago, talking about the number of people at work and you know how it's the highest in the history of state, which you know it should be because we're the highest, you know, population since the bloody pre-famine, uh, since yeah, post-famine days, and then we have to um, talk about the situation of how of how we look at it. But you uh, are always pointing out the quality of work. So I want to focus on that for a few minutes. And two of the statistics that you you pointed out recently, one is that minimum wage is actually down by nearly 3%. And yet we, uh, and while the country is is absolutely booming, in work deprivation is up 60%. Tell yeah. me how Tell me how this works, Karen. Well, uh, that's a 2022 figure. Let's start with the deprivation. So it's up 60% in absolute numbers. So it jumped from about 8% to 12%. 
um, between 2021 and 2022. And that's really, that, that survey was taken in the first half of 2022. So it's really before we're only, you know, only um, inflation was only starting to kick in then. So it's already happening. We are, we're aware of a cost of living crisis that existed before COVID. I mean, it was, it was similar. The figures for 2022 look very similar to the figures for 2019, uh, you know, back to kind of back to normal, um, strong microeconomic growth, strong employment growth, reasonably strong average wage growth, and then at the same time, an increase in deprivation and including an increase of workers uh, in deprivation. So, and that's one kind of, we, we measure deprivation uh, in in one way, um, which is, uh, you know, you, you get a phone call from the CSO and they ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, one of those questions is, they, they, they list out 11 items that we consider uh, indicative of a, a minimum essential living or, you know, so and socially normal living. So it includes some kind of some socializing variables as well. Basically, like just, just, just some of them, like, you know, can you afford a new shoes, pair of shoes? Two yeah. pairs of shoes, winter jacket, night out every two weeks, have people over once a month, that kind of thing, right? How much how much meat is in your diet in some ways? Yeah, like that, that's, you know, can you afford chicken once a week? It's something, something like that. So some of them are a bit, you know, you have to kind of update those, but that's... We, we, it, we, we, we do want to move to well-being indicators. We really do. Yeah, so this is, but this is just consumption-based indicators. This is standard, like, the, a, a good indicator standard of the living past what I think you know the income there are income measures there that get over um, you know get get too much focus which don't kind of uh, incorporate the um, the cost of living and stuff like that and obviously consumption you know none of these indicators are, are perfect but basically it jumped from about 8 to 12 percent in a year as employment grew by a couple of percent as well so when you did the figures then the absolute number of uh, those in uh, in work poverty increased, but it went from about one hundred eighty thousand workers to about three hundred thousand workers. If I, if I yeah, no, no, it was it it something like that. I, um, I, I think the total increase was one hundred eighteen thousand, somewhere in that yeah, region. Yeah, I did. They even revised it up. I think recently the deprivation rate for twenty twenty two slightly a, a number of decimals, uh, or uh, that was it. So. That's a clear cost of living. Now, one one deprivation indicator that isn't considered in that, which I think, and I'm always, you know, I feel like a bit of a broken record because I'm, I'm constantly tweeting about it, is uh, young adults and young workers being deprived of the ability to live independently, right? So we've got um, every year, and, you know, Ireland is, the, the situation in Ireland has um, gotten worse more so than in other countries. Since 2012, even again, if we if we take it since 2012, I think or if, I don't have it in front of me, but I would imagine the employment growth is probably the top in the EU. The the um, uh, the microeconomic growth, you know, GDP, we can get back to why that's not important, but that's probably been uh, the most um, you know the the top in the EU as well. So the Irish, well, the Irish miracle, yeah, yeah, Irish yeah. Miracle. So you you got all these great indicators over ten years, and then you got this thing where. And I, I, you know, the, the data is there for a couple of age brackets, but I like to look at the 25 to 34 year bracket to get out in front of anybody who just rationalizes these figures away with, ah, sure, they're all in college, living in a house, so it doesn't matter, whatever. So by the time you're 25 to 34, most people would consider that the age where you should be getting your, your life together, getting your feet on the ground, you know, family formation, house buying, etc. You wouldn't have to be house buying if the... If the 
um, if the environment was better for, for renters. Um, but so that, that, the share of those, uh, that group, living at home has doubled uh, since 2012, right? And it's about 40%, okay? And 60% of that 40%, over 60%, work full-time, right? So they're not students, they're not continuing into PhDs and masters or anything like that. They're working full-time and they're living at home with their with their parents or their mothers or their fathers, um, which is, a, is a, like, you know, 15 years ago, we might have looked at Spain and Italy uh, at that and considered that, you know, a an indicator of an economy that is not working and it's yeah. certainly not a meritocracy that's sometimes described I you know I want the economy to work for people to get out of bed in the morning right? they're getting out of bed in the morning in their single pox room <laughs> with their Eric Cantona posters is that too old of a reference I don't know. Uh, and, and still uh, going into work and then coming home and then you know, not yeah, having so any space. There's, there's all sorts of can I, can social I, can issues I, there. Never went. Can, can I push in on this? It's quite yeah, funny. I spoke to Constant Gordiev the other evening, yeah. and he said the joke was always that the Americans would point at the Italians and say that the Italians had had their the son would live at home until he was in his thirties, maybe or into his mid thirties, yeah. and he said actually that demographic in the US now is actually higher. Yeah, is. I think I heard that. I heard that podcast actually. And, yeah. and, and and so when you think about that now. And then we're actually barreling our w- along in into the same ter- categories. We're in the same, same category. We're we're really close to the number in Spain, if not over for one of the for one of the uh, and, brackets. And, and, not and, all of them. And you got to remember, Spain has a history of having multi generational um, in one in one household. Yeah, but that I, that might be you know people call that culture and might be economics Absolutely. do you know what I mean economics yes. culture follows economics kind of I, I know but uh, but like you know as you said it's, it's like it, there's a whole generation there of what um, I know Martin uh, when he's here would like to call it the failure to launch generation yeah I mean it's not their failure do, no. do you know what no. I mean but, uh, 100% yeah. and there's no shame in it because yeah. there's no like, and but I can't imagine it must be t- like I, I first year college 18 I've I've paid my last month's rent last month because I've finally, uh, 21 years later, gone to house. But uh, I always, you know, I, I I couldn't imagine into your 20s um, living at home. Like, it's... it's but, okay. but, that, but let's, let's so so let's talk about this then in, in, in the, in the sca- scheme of um, an economy that is booming. You know, it's absolutely booming. So so why is the, the fact that we keep saying it uh, the real the market income inequality is is still unbelievably uh, unequal, and then we and we have a huge share of what what we 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 and you refer to as people who are dependent upon crumbs from the table. So if they can move out, they need a hap top top up. We now know a majority of the rental of the private rental sector requires hap or ras to pay the rents. Yeah. So so we've overpriced everything how how do we how did we get so so um, mixed up here um i don't know it was the austerity and the approach to 2007 and uh, I, I think well one that's one of the aspects um um you know that even now there, there's been some call it soul searching or 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 Looking back and uh, critical, critically analysing the approach of the toward the euro crisis and toward the, the financial crisis in 
in 2007 and 2008 and, and the austerity that followed and You've got the likes of the European Central Bank, or at least individuals from European Central Bank and the IMF kind of saying we shouldn't have done that, right? We miscalculated. We thought that if we cut back incomes here, then investment there would go up. And that would actually, the multiplier, not to be too boring, the multiplier would be positive in that respect. And it wasn't, it was negative. They they, they uh, underestimated the downward uh, demand effect of cutting incomes uh, all across the economy and especially at the bottom and it probably most likely made things worse um, so instead of cutting they should have been you know uh, counter-cyclically spending and um, keep up incomes that's what they did in COVID and it worked um, yet it and I, I, wanna, I, I know I, you I, mentioned I, I, that I, there I, it, it can tie into some of the some of the present stuff um, but the only people who seem not to have learned that lesson is um, the current Irish government and well, I, what I would say the dominant voices in, in the economic uh, uh, commentary, whatever you call it. See, now, did, echo uh, term there. You've, you've, you've touched upon a really, a really um, important issue here that we still have a myth that uh, austerity saved the Irish economy yeah. and that it was that, that and this actually it like you can pick up any newspaper on Sunday and you'll find out yeah. somewhere you know a lot of people's that, legacies depend on that Tony and a lot of and, and almost but, everybody the, the whatever establishment if you want to call it that yeah yeah they, it's hard for them to you know it's hard for them to, to turn around and go but, hands up you know but it doesn't serve us well when political correspondents repeat it as if it was true. And it doesn't serve us well when political editors repeat it as if it's true. Like nothing changed until uh, they till till Trichet said we'll do what what we have what has to be done. And they started to literally stop austerity. They turned yeah. they, they, they the EU Mario. became Yeah, Mario Draghi became yeah. the, the lender of last resort and said we'll we'll underwrite everything. And that's what they're doing right now. They're underwriting everything. All the three of the largest four uh, bank bailouts in the history of the US have happened in the last few in the last couple of weeks night, and yeah and but the reason it hasn't hit is because the Fed has essentially said we're underwriting everything yeah. we're not going we're not going back down the, the Fannie Mae area we're not going back down through all of these things now you know they're bailing out regional banks uh, to, to the tune of hundreds of billions in, in the US right now tr as I said three of the four largest US bank bailouts in history have happened in the last month so you know they, they've learned that lesson and they've said we'll have to this is what we have to do yes here we still have this myth that you know that it was if it wasn't for prudent pascal and michael noonan bringing in the vulture funds and the reits we'd have never gotten back on our feet and sure that's why unfortunately we had to make a choice to make go from only having about 1200 people homeless to now having 12000 people homeless and that is the, that is the myth and that's the 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 legend but it doesn't bear repeating so i put it to you that someone who was who was talking about it there's there has to be a way we fix this because I know Aidan Regan suggested to me recently we don't need wealth redistribution we need wealth predistribution yeah I mean how does how, how do you first of all do, do you think that's a good idea and how how would something like that work in well, this economy well it'd be income income predistribution I suppose I, I'm on the living wage technical group as you said uh, the you know similarly so at the moment we've you know there's there's always countervailing there's counteracting forces but you know uh, unless we're going to rewrite all the economics textbooks 
inflation has a negative effect. That's why we have a two percent inflation target in the ECB. That's why we were obsessed about it for years, apparently, until it started happening. Now there's a bit of a shrug of the shoulders, at least in Ireland, because things are, are positive. But it will have a downward effect, and there's other other forces that are keeping keeping our float at the moment. So similar to what happened in austerity, those that income at the bottom is is, is important. Uh, it's important not just for individuals and uh, and and revenue. Uh, because the state has a step in to to to, to um to increase incomes for for people just to 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 manage the the minimum essential um living standard, but then also the the, the macro economy is important as a, as I mentioned earlier on downward demand spoils growth shops need you know coffee shops need people to be able to go in and buy coffee you know and they need their workers to be able to afford that stuff and that's that's a, a important and that's one of the lessons we were supposed to have learned. Um, from two thousand eight, uh, it looked like we had learned it in in two thousand and twenty, uh, and now you know again try try to forget it, uh, I, that we learned that. I I wonder I want to I want to actually push back and say no we didn't because we were we had only started the COVID supports. I have it I have it all screenshot. Six weeks into the COVID supports, and Pascal Dunne, who took to his feet and kept warning us that this would have to be paid for, this would have yeah, to be paid yeah, for, we'd yeah, have yeah, to undo yeah. this. This is so it, it it's learning, but at the same time, uh, don't learn too much from it. Like, do you know what I mean? We, yeah, I, I want to keep it, the, it, keeping it, the messaging it, on. Let's like be, but let's be clear for listeners: in that period when the supports in the state stepped in, inequality shrunk for the first time. Yeah. And then when we and we when we said and then all of a sudden the economy exploded and we took off like a rocket yeah. as Leo Varadkar yeah. said in inequality rose. This, this might be some of the ideological kind of um, the narrow framing with which it, within which Irish uh, you know politicians or at least government politicians and the Irish commentary in economics discuss economics right and it's this. I, I, Tom McDonald, my, my director, once uh, referred to it uh, very, I thought, uh, colorfully uh, monomaniacal focus on inflation, right, yeah. and fiscal responsibility, and you know, just, just tying into some of the stuff. Like I, I've, I've been to the National Economic Dialogue a couple of times, right? It happens every year. Uh-huh. I think it was suspended over COVID. It's happening, it's, it's happening shortly, I think. Uh, I think it might be, yeah. Um, so it's a t- it's a bit of a talking shop. Uh, it's not really, but it's it's not, you know, nothing particularly comes out of it other than getting a feel for how everybody's thinking about everything, you know? And yeah. uh, last year, was it last year? Maybe it was the year before. No, it was last year, I think. And um, we're in, and, I, you know, I'm new, new to this. It's You know, usually there's a minister kind of chairing it. Um, there might be there, there'll be s- split off groups into in, into separate realms after the um after the main kind of speech as everybody gets whatever two or three minutes to say this you know on our side there'd be social justice Ireland or similar to us, social justice Ireland and you know the European anti poverty network Fincentians uh, etc a couple of other groups like that. And then, you know, Dublin Chamber of Commerce, IBIC, ISME, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but there'll be more of them. There'll be, you know, um, well, like maybe, may, or at least... There will be. And, and like, I mean, well, like, 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 let's let's not, let's not get into the, into the, into the um, silos. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. But a, a, anyway, just like, just my reflection of, you know, kind of there, I'm supposed to be um, contributing, but I'm observing 
more so just a bit you know nervous about it and stuff like that um as a newbie a relative newbie and um we're on the in the um side session and there's a repertoire there and you know the repertoire kind of opens with now i got a note from pascal there now and um you know just to keep in mind the fiscal rules uh just in terms of anybody coming up with any mad ideas for a magic money tree I, i'm i'm mad I'm, I'm that's not the quote obviously no but, but that's what it was yeah paraphrase, paraphrase. And I, I kind of looked around and there's 15 20 uh economists in this room not all economists representatives different groups different civil society groups different political groups and I, I, you know, and a lot of the, these faces I recognise, you know, and for, for over years, and I just thought, that, and I, I just, as I said, I felt nervous. But I was like, is anybody going to put up their hand and point out the fact that the fiscal rules are suspended? And have been, and have yeah, been yeah, yeah. I know, but nobody did, right? So we're still operating, even at a national economic dialogue with loads and loads of people from all over the place. They still get to frame it that way. They still this curtails the uh, the the width and breadth of the conversation. Uh, we are talking within these limits, and it, that's it. And anybody outside of that is mad money tree, you know, yeah, or whatever. It, it's it's very much the the you know the 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 Fox News mentality of we're gonna get we're gonna get on um, this. Uh, the, say say someone from of, of the of the Muslim faith and someone from uh, and some some. Christian evangelist, and then we're going to say we're going. This, this is for balance, and then they'll turn around, and the first question they'll ask the, uh, the 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 people to debate is, uh, are, are are all Muslims violent? You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. but yeah, but yeah. there is, but we with this in mind, I have to bear, I have to put this in context because it's important. We were told, as you said, be, you know, prudency, um, fiscal rules, fiscal compact. Debt to, ser- debt to GDP servicing. We know that if we even if we played within the rules, that we have more money to spend than than would that would make Jeff Be- Bezos uh, blush, right? But more importantly, not quite. But yeah, we also well, they're they're a bit. Go on, go on, go on. Yeah, but, yeah. but 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 if you wanted to, if you want to be honest, let's tell let's tell the truth. Germany, who were supposed to be the 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 progenitors of this philosophy and how how we all adapted, they're not they're not even they're not adhere- adhering to those rules anymore. Right. They're turning around and they're saying, "No, we're we're going to actually run a deficit here. We need to actually yeah. we're going to spend our way out of this thing. We're yeah. going to we're going to build our economy." And Ireland is screaming budget surplus and and budget surplus for the next few years, yeah. and and we're being told that the rules apply and we have to be you know can we be more like the Germans? And the yeah. Germans are saying at the moment, right now, at this very moment, saying, "Hell no!" You know, but even even sometimes when it suits them to, um, you know, to maintain they 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 they'll invent. Right, they, they they'll acknowledge when in other at other times they won't that GDP is a bad indicator of the production capacity of of the Irish economy, and therefore the debt to GDP ratio doesn't count. Even not, like that's a real book, right? And now we we can talk all day about what our GDP figures mean and everything like that, but the real book says you know three percent uh, a year debt to GDP or sixty percent overall or whatever. And so you're like you, you're getting all this leeway. You play the whistle, as I said to to somebody I was uh, uh, debating with on Twitter there a couple of months back. There are the rules we can like, and then but then now you have the you know the austerity merchants or the people who that's the, the only tool in the toolbox for them. Then all of a sudden, you know, one minute they might be talking about how great our GDP figures are, 
And then the next one, they go, well, we can't use GDP, debt to GDP for us because I don't want to spend because that's my, um, you know, my, I, I suppose, ideology. I don't know if it's necessarily well, ideology. Put it, I, I put, it's a very real example if anybody wants to look at it. You can go check Finnegale's um, Twitter timeline and you'll see them talking about the economic growth rate and the money that's yeah. coming in and, in the, and, and, and how they're taking credit for these huge budget surpluses. Yeah. And, then, and then they're telling us on the other side whereby, you know, that they can't actually lift pay a living wage right now we can't yeah. reduce a living wage right now so we know those two things don't add up they don't they don't make sense yeah. and and I put it to you that if you remember during when they were sitting down to agree the program for government the three leaders Eamon Ryan Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar one phrase came out repeatedly over the few weeks where they were negotiating and I'm doing air quotes here folks um, one of the quotes that they said repeatedly was they must this new government must avoid the perception of austerity I put it to you, yeah. Kieran, that people are living a, a new form of austerity by stealth because the cost of living has made it is effectively austerity because they have less. They're they're able to contribute, uh, you know, enjoy their lives less. They're living le- lives diminished in terms of their p- participation in society, and this is what's happening uh, as part of this great transfer of wealth from the top from the bottom to the top that's ongoing. So uh, obviously, yeah, austerity or, or, or deprivation, surely, and uh, within these the, this this kind of narrow framing of, of fiscal responsibility, which is is how everybody discusses this, you're talking about, um, you know, s- saving now so that the 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 generations in future don't don't re- resent you uh, for 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 over <laughs> for for being full of debt. I, I was listening to this, and I, I'm just gonna. Tie it into the to the stuff about the present that you you were you were. Well, no, I know we will. You know, right. let's, let's frame that properly. Okay. Right? The, the 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 president made a speech. Whether you you know whether you think he spoke for too long or he yeah. added a few more flowery uh, quotes from people that, that weren't necessary. The general gist of it was that he said the current economic heterodoxy or uh, the the current uh, a prevailing mindset was not compatible with the challenges that we face as a species as as a, as a as a global population to deal with the climate emergency and to make people's lives improve people's lives the idea of of infinite growth and these economic models do, doesn't work a lot of economists lost their shit and said that's not how we teach economics anymore um you know i you're uh, you're 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 not exactly uh, like an economist of, of of many a decade. ESG is something that is taught in 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 universities now, and the likes of this. So so tell me, Karen, where what did you think of what he was saying in terms of of overall? And then maybe we could talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I I agreed with most of what he said. Um, at least from my own experience. I mean, anecdotes, I have a few anecdotes. They're not data, they're not proof of anything like that. Um, there was a paper that some people were quoting from Chang that showed that Irish, you know, economists were among the most ideological in, in the world. Um, some people took exception to the methodology there, said the sample size was too small. That's fair enough. I mean, the sample size was small. Um, but it also aligned to my, what I my experiences and I had a couple of conversations about this uh, with a few economists and I, an interesting one just a short one with a with an economist who's not from Ireland but operating in Ireland and it's interesting to get the outside perspective and like um, this individual sent me on a, a, an interesting paper about um, you know how, how this actually this idea might apply internationally and, and to the Nobel Prize even um, 
that the you know that the Nobel Prize isn't a real Nobel Prize, and that's literally what it says on the uh, the Nobel Prize for economics. Sorry, is not a real Nobel Prize, um, and that's like clearly stated on the on the Nobel website. But that it's you know uh, uh, um, that it, it has a focus on international economics, maybe inter- you know Western and um, policy economics is is certainly focused with European and American certainly focused on. On a narrow, uh, um, narrow schools, I would say of economics, and I was li- I was listening to I, I thought you might ask me about this, so I, I was looking into it over the, over the week. I didn't actually hear the speech; kind of looked at bits and bobs and sort of sort of back and forth. You, uh, Rod- you love you, you'll have heard it. You'll have heard much of it before. I heard plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So Rob Sweeney wrote a good blog, blog on it with Taz this week, and I agreed with most of that. Um, and I, in fact, the examples he was kind of quoting aligned with my own. I look back at my own uh, MA course structure in um, in Minute, and uh, you know, I'm not having, don't have a go at anybody, but it, like I didn't particularly enjoy my masters in Minute, or at least the, the, a lot of the a, a lot of the um, what you have to learn. Now, economics is massive, right? It's way bigger than what we discuss in terms of policy. You know, it's it's firm level, it's microeconomics, it's behavioral economics. There's all all sorts out there. Um, so it is hard to, to, to figure out what you what you put on a, ma- a master's of, an econ- of economics. Maybe it should be split up into all sorts of different economics and, and you do MAs that way, more special, uh, specialized. Um, but I was listening to the Irish Times podcast discussing it, right? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like even though one or two of them, it was Hugh Lennon and, and Harry McGee, but I couldn't tell which one was which over the, over the voice. You, you, now, you Lennon was the one who who said, I don't want to make an ad hominem, ad hominem attack on the president. Okay, I thought it was and the then, other way around. And then, and and then, then, he, and then he spent two minutes absolutely yeah. so, going straight so, for. So I want to argue that exactly that attack was indicative and actually supported the uh, president's argument. First of all, he's talking about, you can almost hear the eye roll through the microphone, he's talking about, oh, it reminded me of a social policy class or a sociology class I took in the 90s, right? And I just want to go back. The reason the Nobel family didn't want economics as a Nobel Prize because it, um, you know, it, it gave hierarchy to economics over other social sciences, which is undue. It, it, there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason. It's the, it's the current language of, of policy, but there's no reason that it would it would um, be held in higher esteem in sociology or any uh, political science or any of the other ones, right? Um, so he said that he also... Um, Said he, he he referred to the president as 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 pretentious, uh, and the the and the reason he's pretentious is because it's easy for him to talk about uh, transition into low carbon economy because he has money and low low income households can't do that. So exactly in that how he has framed that is completely within the logic of market principles, right? It's households going out into America and having to spend to bring down their. And that's it, right? To bring down their their, their carbon footprint, they, you know, you, I've heard you talk about where the term carbon footprint came from. It's, uh, you know, a, a forged by uh, oil companies to make sure that we never get any any ideas into our head that this is about structural issues, about how we organise society and stuff like that. So he's gone and done there. He's framed it. 
he's he's elevated economics and both sociology, which is you know which there's no reason to do. And then he's framed it within American principles with absolutely nothing in the toolbox in terms of what it, you know. A lot of people have been saying is that the state needs to drive the tr- just transition. Right mm. now, in the back and forth, then the um, his 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 colleague also did something very similar. Right, I think I mentioned it earlier on, and it's a, it's about like. I think I don't think that you know f- future generations they'll resent the high level of debt, and I try to think to myself like, <laughs> do my parents' generation resent high debt levels in the eighties? I don't think so. I think they resent uh, bad economic policy and mass immigration of their mates I- in the eighties, right? And then I think to myself, I th- you don't think that we're going to resent if it's forty degrees in. In June in in twenty fifty, you think that's not what we're gonna like? We are talking about human civilization here, lads, and you're talking about some. I don't know who you know who talks like who thinks like that out there that they're concerned about the debt level when housing is in absolute chaos, when childcare is the highest in Europe, when we're a laggard in um. In, in in the in climate change uh, transition and a just transition and the state to pay for low income households to make those transitions would be part of that. Um, these are the things we're going to resent in the future. We again, as I said earlier on, family formation later, uh, buying houses later, renting for years, living with your ma for years, living with your parents for years, and um, and yeah, we'll, and, we'll, and, and the to... Irish Times think that, that what makes us tick. Is the debt level, and it's it's, it's within that and that fiscal yeah. conservatism again. No lessons learned from from ten years ago, but also that is the logic of one type of economics, which is exactly what the president said. This is the logic of small state, low spend, uh, low you know welfare state. Sure, who cares about that? Housing, you know, or health care in crisis. Who who cares about that? This kind of stuff. And so their entire conversation for me actually supported the um, what would the president's remarks. And I know, like I know from personal experience now. Again, anecdotes aren't you know my my personal experience. My and Twitter isn't the real world, but you know I, I probably I spent too much time on it. But um, meet your no, brother. If you if you if I put out something, I I literally got told recently on Twitter by a fairly prominent economist that I should have uh, I, I shared a, a, a data from Thomas Piketty's uh, think tank um, about wealth inequality in Ireland and in the in this analysis Ireland was on the top in this particular indicator most unequal and in another um in another research project from I think it was the UCB, Ireland is like sixth or seventh or something like that, worst, right? But not an outlier like like Piketty has it. And it's basically told it was irresponsible for me to share that, like, right? And we, 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 you know, the and this I want to go back to well, one of the great quotes in that paper was referred to about the Nobel Prize and everything. Is Hayek, who's a famous, you know, he wouldn't be in yes, school, yes. Like, yeah, but yeah. God, he literally said that no. The reason he would be against the Nobel Prize in economics is because no individual in economics should be given 
uh, authority like that. And the the argument is because it's so laden with values and and outlook, and it's not a it's not an objective science. Everybody's bringing their own kind of worldview or their own politics into at least in, in the policy sphere. Yeah, you have these um, certain people out there who will who are, are oftentimes it feels offended by pointing out the the other statistics that don't show that everything's fine and GDP per capita is the highest in the world and we're up at the Human Development Index, the second highest in the world and all that kind of stuff. And here, here they are, from my perspective at least, assigning themselves ultimate arbiter, ultimate editor of what um, but you know, what estimates we, we used but, to? But we did, to, we to, did to that. We, we did that. We did that as a society when we elevated them uh, during the Celtic Tiger years. We did that as a society whereby we decided, you know, some of the new demigods were were. Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a little exercise I like doing, Tony. Every so often, I mean, you know, there's not many of these now, so I might be I might be just talking. I, I, I from my perspective, this is reflective of the. The conversation, Look, I mean, but like I do, I do a little exercise every time this, almost every time this happens, and I Google this person's name, and I Google the term soft landing, and I put in the parameters two thousand seven to two thousand eight, and then I sit back in my chair because uh, four times out of five, uh, this person was around at that time and was in this massive group take. That's what got us there. Hubris, like that's in, like that's in the literature, the word hubris, and every single. Economist and the one that I'm sure you'll recall, the one that kind of stuck his head up and said about the housing bubble was was you Mor- know, Mor- Morgan Kelly. You should have killed himself. That's what they. That's what they well, that's said. The that's what the Taoiseach said at the BDC of the uh, in 2007. Look, so like, it's hard to if you stick your head out like that, you're gonna get it. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but, but but I put it to you then. Um, many of the economists who we're referring to, like one of them, has a book festival and everybody thinks he's great. Yeah. Uh, but he hasn't done any uh, any original <laughs> economic work. Well, sure, he had he had something there recently about how great we have it. Really, the dream economy. We have the dream. Yeah, and, 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 and why is it that young people are so angry? It's be, it's because they're all living with their parents and you're not getting it, and you none of you are. Really? He's not, but 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 no, hang on. Um, but yeah. see, he is getting it. He's getting it in the form of a lot of money coming through his <laughs> coming through his oh, uh, yeah. his payback. This, you, it's impossible to get someone to understand a thing if his if his salary depends upon him yeah, not yeah. doing it. And this is where we are with with so much of this. And then that's why. And the only the real issue and the problem, me and the likes of me and you have is that we're not actually we're having this conversation here now, but we're not the the consensus. They are bigger. They are oh, absolutely. Times podcast. They, they, that's why I keep talking about it. Recently, I've been trying to push and let people understand what I mean when I say the right-wing media ecosystem. The right-wing yeah. media ecosystem does not mean that there are everybody within participating is a right-wing individual, or but they are simply parts of a system that, that wants to generate a certain outcome. You can go in, you can be a journalist doing your work, you can be a commentator doing, you know, putting forward your views, but you're ultimately, you know... Paris, either if you are of say my persuasion, you're giving your cultural capital to one of these organisations in order to sell revenue and advertising, and you will not be allowed to say certain things that 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 you know would absolutely discommode the the income streams, and that yeah, is the case. There's I, political economy considerations in there, not just yes. ideological and 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 um out like um you know economic but, school which, frame which, and whatever which means let's bring this to the, to the end then yeah. so so this is where i want to get to because we're now sitting here now and whatever your feelings are about ireland's big 
you know, the, what Leo Varadkar called the, the goose that laid the golden egg. I have a lot of mixed issues, mixed feelings about the idea of us being a really successful tax haven. Okay, I, yeah. you know, I'm, I've spoken to people in the, the Global Alliance for Tax Justice. They're looking to get someone to speak to me um, shortly in terms of, you know, should Ireland actually be taking some of this this money and putting it into global uh, prevention for climate action? Because effectively, you know, some of the money these companies are taking are, are, is by avoiding taxes yeah. in other jurisdictions. We're going to have that conversation. But the consensus already is we have this money. Let's be prudent. Let's set up a sovereign wealth fund. Let's see what, you know, let's see. Yeah, probably, probably and, uh, buy up some housing to rest. Let's the this, well, this is the point. If you give, if you start a sovereign wealth fund, who's going to manage it other than a company like BlackRock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to manage it other than... Yeah, no, look, it's, it's a rainy day fund and they don't recognise that it's raining for a lot of people. And even with increased deprivation in 2022, it's still all about the... Uh, which you know, highest unemployment or highest employment, lowest unemployment. These are all good things. So I've I've a feeling, you know, we're all kind of looking at it with gritted teeth. And I think all economists, just because we're like, when is this kind of inflation going to actually start hitting the real economy? Because you expect it would uh, uh, at some stage. As I said, otherwise the economics books can but, but can, can get Karen, if, out, I, but. if I said to you now, here's here's this, here's all these extra billions. Yeah, uh, what, what do you think they should do in lieu of a sovereign wealth fund? Well, they should start giving public sector workers um, more wages. They should increase the um, wages for nurses to uh, so that they can live in cities. Same with teachers. Um, and they, you know, people worry. Some economists go, "Okay, there's a difference between current and capital spend, and we don't want to tie ourselves too much into." Uh, caught like if it's a lump sum like that, we don't want to tie ourselves into costs that are recurring every year and that we've committed to, and that it's it's difficult to 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 to, to cut in in an emergency or whatever. So one of the capital projects, obviously, a house house building state state house building agency is clearly the biggest issue. Like housing is clearly the biggest issue. It's you know it seems to be the prices are dropping off there, but the rents don't seem to be dropping off. Um, you'd um. I, I would bring childcare workers into public the public sector uh, to uh, recognize. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! You're whoa, talking whoa, about whoa, whoa, whoa. you're you're talking about extending the public realm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll what we do nowadays is shrink it and then yeah. and let the market take over. Exactly, exactly, and 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 then if charges the the highest prices in Europe for every single thing that that we buy almost. Um. So, and public transport, that's another thing, you know, in this conversation in the Irish Times, it's like, you know, the the transition to a low-carbon economy has to involve a massive, um, you know, uh, increase in public transport. And that includes, even though people mock it all the time, that includes in rural Ireland. Um, you know, we recently had Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, saying we can't make public transport free because people will be taking unnecessary journeys. I don't understand what, where, who, who, who are these? Who's having these conversations? I, I don't know. That 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 probably came from a conversation uh, around in the canteen somewhere. I, I don't know. I, where this comes from, but that's what future generations are going to resent. Um, we have the taxation. We we collect relatively low. Taxes uh, compared to other high income EU countries in loads of areas. I did hear somebody, and this is why, when I think about the political economy part of it, I t- and you might, you probably 
heard it this week, but one of the ministers said that maybe we, we'll uh, use the money for for massive wind farms or something like that. I'm not too sure what the the details of that were. I'm not sure if the state with all those wind turbines. But if somebody had said that five years ago, I'd imagine that same person would have said, ha, 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 "That's fairy tale economics or something like that," right? And that the state has no business in any of these things, and that's why it's so slow. So I would also I would retrofit the whole country in every house that needs and, and you spend it on that and that ultimately that's an investment in um, in, in sa- saving on energy costs into the future um, or, or that, that, that is one and you, you'll have employment out of that as well and the, the state could retrofit every school in the, in the country every library in the country could put solar panels on the roofs of every library and school in the country and every other public building and could, could, could use the money like that to save on the future, so they're the real issues, right? There's there's cost of living issues, and there's also the end of civilization issues. We've got money to spend um, on those. You could even like, you know, you could you could buy up. Uh, we we've a really older uh, average age of farmers. Like, well, almost half of them were over really retirement age in Ireland. Like, buy just buy their farms, let them grow over. Let let's let's re you know reforest. There, there's a hundred ideas. Um, none of which seem to be in the toolbox of the what 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 you call earlier on. I suppose the the, the, the consensus um, but, in terms you, of what the re- you know every, everybody talks about the reality. Uh, that's not the reality. The reality now is market fundamentals. Like that's what the, that's what I heard Rory on with um, Mike Loughlin on the Irish Examiner podcast a couple of months back. And uh, Mike Loughlin, that's not the reality. That's not the reality. No, the reality is for him. Um, you know, is American his reality? It's, he says reality. It's more subsidies, by the way. You know, and, and, and more subsidies on a helicopter pad on his gaff. But but, <laughs> but can I make the point that Mike Laughlin has won? He said, "Of course he has," and he's, now he's getting an additional one hundred and fifty grand per unit on land because he sat on that land for long enough. Now he said, "You guys need to make it viable. Come with a sweetener." Of course he is, because that is the logic that governs. Still, as I said, we didn't learn any lessons, right? And uh, we're get a lot of indicators are getting worse, and they'll, you know, and this again in terms of what the president was saying. You know, all these positive indicators, they'll. Somebody will say, like that HDI index, right? The, the reason we're second highest in the world on the HD with the Human Development Index is because GDP is one of the three indicators that they use to bring up with the index. Everybody knows it. And people talk about it all the time, even at that National Economic Dialogue. At least three, maybe four people said how great it was sitting around with ministers there and people from all across the society there. And nobody pulled them up on it, right? Now, the if, I, if I was to get up and say American income inequality is the highest in the world, you better believe there's a lot, which is fine, by the way. Loads of people come in, yeah, well, outcomes after you stay and all that kind of stuff. They'll put the nuance there. But when when it's kind of flag waving and what they consider green jersey and, you know, uh, protecting the current development model, because I think that's what it's all about. If we, if we um, you know, it's again political economy expl- explanations of, of of defending the status quo, etc. I think that's what a lot of it is, is as much as it is ideology. Um, yeah, I, know, I, they, I think they, this. I, think, away I, with that, so. I I will I'll finish on this. I think, and I know the Taoiseach recently said that he was much more ideological when he was younger, and he's no longer ideological. He now he he's now you know about the issues, but that's a mistruth. Because as Kieran has quite well outlined, I believe, over the last 45 minutes, 
the framing of the issues is within an ideological mindset. It's within an ideological market driven, uh, market solutions orientated, uh, how do I put this, right wing neoliberal uh, framework. And that's what, that's where he's discussing. So you can literally say, I'm not being ideological here. I'm doing what Michael O'Flynn did. I'm dealing with the reality. Because if you send, you know, it's, and anybody else who then comes and says, well, actually, can we, can we expand the, the framework of what we're talking about here? They're told you're unreasonable. And yeah, this, it's, it, but it, it's ultimately to protect our development model, which we've had in 40 years, which we're going to have to reevaluate it at some stage. But nobody talks about that out loud. Sometimes they do in hush corners and everything like that. What, what, what are we going to look like in 10 years? What happens if this What happens if this corporation tax disappears? What et cetera, happens, et cetera. What, how are we going to be resilient? How are we going to be sustainable? Uh, but nobody will say that stuff out loud. Not at all. Never. Right. And and none of the economics profession would ever do anything. And ultimately, I think that's what why the president might get shouted down on that kind of stuff. Because in reality, what that what that stuff about saving more, you know, about a, a wider welfare state, what that entails is higher taxes. Where do we have low taxes uh, on employers? Uh, not just corporation tax, but also the employers' PRSI. Our, our employers' PRSI is one of the lowest in the EU. One of the lowest. And if we were to bring it up to an average of high-income EU countries, we bring in another 7, 8 billion euro in revenue a year, which is not far off the entire education budget. So that is the reason. That's why, you know, it's not just ideological, it's political economy. It's right. This is... This is where we're at, lads. This is this this is working for whatever, 30, 40, 50, maybe even 60% of the Irish economy. It's not working for the for the other uh bunch. But that's who's who's in control. That's you know, or the small town. Dublin's even Dublin's a village, you know. There's not many you know, you meet you, you come into contact with all, all these people all the time, you know. And um there's a certain set there's an outlook uh, the golden goose as you said and we don't want to upset that that's a, a gravy train golden goose or whatever you want to call it and that ultimately I think is why there in some cases now I don't want to there's individuals out there I'm not talking about I just want to say that. <laughs> some interventions there but individuals I'm not you know I'm not talking about anyone else but um, I, I, I think because you know, we have, like, the, the Ireland's come a long way in, in a generation in mm-hmm. a lot of respects. Now, in the last 15 years, it's gone the other way. Um, but it's, I think it's that it's oversets, you know, it's extremely sensitive about rocking the boat and changing, um, the, you know, the, the part that's worked for a good, ch- it has worked for a good chunk of it's, society. It's, but it's, then it's we have an unequal society because of it. Like, And we can't, we don't want to talk about that. We don't t- want to talk about the inequality because... In the inference then or in the background then you have to then start talking about taxation, welfare, state, living standards of the most marginalised groups. Uh, you know, there's a backlash even to presenting statistics that show that stuff often, I, I would say, early in my experience. The, the last uh, very comment, and I'm going to wrap, is just that, and I know people get annoyed at me now when I say this, but um, you you would have seen when uh, Nessa Hurrigan voted recently against the government for the second time or third time, third time, mm-hmm. I think, she got a 15-month suspension and she was stood down from some of the committees she was involved in. Most people just shrugged. There was one issue 
and I know because it was something that I did care about was the idea that they were going to look at saying how they would increase introduce proper well-being indices for for how we measure this inequality that me and Kieran are talking about all the time that Ireland would move to a more international model where we'd be able to measure not just the 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 cost of you know being dependent upon social transfers, but what that means to families in terms of the, how tenuous their existence are, like literally, you know what it means then to to know that you you need that that children's allowance because that has an impact on people mentally and on their their ability to participate in society. She was working on that and she's been removed from that committee. I don't know if that gets done in the lifetime of this government, and I know that there's plenty in Finnegale that are going to be happy if that doesn't happen because they love the other indices, the other ones that they can push and they can talk about how social transfers do the heavy lifting. So in summary fuck that um, uh, thanks Kieran again for your time I really appreciate it I, I, I find these cathartic sometimes and I, this is this is no different so I really appreciate your time uh, we will continue to talk about this we will be talking to others on the, the of, of a economists with a different mindset to it who believe in, in, in maybe some of the you know we just haven't gotten it right this time but we'll, we'll have those conversations as well uh, thanks for listening folks Th- thanks for the support like share tell people please but honestly I'm not even going to lie to you Put your hands in your bloody pockets and help keep this platform going. Last month, we had an incredible month in, in April where we were working. Obviously, we did a lot of stuff with, where, with the Niall Collins story. We were the first to break it with the ditch. We had the poor doctor who with a circular saw. We had the, the podcast up within an hour. Karen, I'm not lying to you. All of that work, but what is it? You know me. I put about 40, 50 hours a week into this. We actually went backwards in numbers of people supporting us. You know, it's just hard. inflation there as well. Tom. It is. Sorry. It's biting. Like, people it's, are yeah. going to be cutting back there. And, like, and, no, and that's, the first, that's the reality of it. Like, you have yeah, to cut back somewhere. Like. And the first thing that goes is that discretionary spending. So yeah. your Patreon contribution has to go. I get that. Yeah. But when, you're, when your listenership jumps by 25%, you'd love to think that a couple of people would just come on board. So it is very handy. Oh, I don't mean to be undermining your pitch there. No, no, It's good informative stuff. Do, and, you, know, you know what? Yeah. Do you know what's really true? Uh, it was really hard. And I'm listeners are I'm not gonna I won't edit this out. It's really hard when people do cancel and tell you that they've got to. They send you a private message and they explain to you why they've had to make these decisions. And it's very hard for you to read that and not feel, you know, you feel bad about your own economic circumstances and then you feel guilty for feeling bad about that because, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the hardship. So it's, so it's, you know, what we always keep saying, no ads, no sponsors and what that actually means. i tell you what it actually means. is it, it means is having that actual genuine connection with the people who do support us because they literally keep the lights on, the mics on and the conversations going because without them, there, it doesn't happen. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's, it, I, you know, it has a value. It has, it has, it has a value. So that's that's my pitch. Anyway, look, folks, I'm going to stop waffling. Talk to you all very soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.